Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hey, welcome into the podcast. Jim Martin here, joined with Brad and Greg. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. Excited about today's topic. We are talking about seminars. This seems to be a really popular topic over at the Elite Advisor Lab. Lots of people are asking questions and planning their marketing calendar. And we thought, what better time than right now to talk about seminars and really the big differences between seminars. And there's there's two types out there. And we're going to dive into what we think are the most appropriate and the best types for people, especially if you're on a, a shoestring budget or if you have a full-blown marketing budget. Should you buy dinner or not dinner? Should you host it at a nice restaurant or a library or college? So there's lots of places you can host it and things you can do. And uh, we're going to just jump right in. And Brad, we were talking uh, before we got started about this. And you and I have a little bit of a difference of opinion here. So dinner or not dinner? What do you think? Should we be buying dinner for the uh, the guests that come? I changed my mind just because I don't want to oppose you on air. So no dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Brad is full. Of, yeah, he he says buying dinner because it's a cheap cost, right? Like I, I do. I, yeah. I do only. I mean, if I could get. So obviously, I mean, if I could fill a room easily with people that were genuinely interested and in only coming because they had to have the info and they wanted to learn, then sure. Yeah, I'd absolutely prefer that. But I'm not confident in my ability to do that or I don't have a process that will deliver that result effectively. So I look at it like a lot of expenses, like, you know, 50 bucks a head for dinner. If I put 40 people in a room, I mean, it cost me $2,000 for food, 2,500. That's a rollover. That's a relatively small rollover. And if I miss that one guy because he was hungry and just wanted to relax after, you know, after work you know, or for whatever reason, or maybe they didn't even intend on buying. They showed up for the dinner and then like, liked me or liked what I had to say. I just don't want to miss anything over 2,500 bucks. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It, it makes sense in a, in a big way. Um, and, and let's, let's, let's just say for the, for the record that there are people successful buying dinners. There's people successful teaching at colleges. There's people uh, successful doing it at libraries. There is um, there is no surefire right way to do this. There's just the right way for you and your market. And different markets are going to draw differently. And, and Greg, you're in a you're in a different market than Brad and I. Brad and I are and we you know we're in we're in kind of more of a rural market. I mean, we just finally got a Chipotle, which is um, I know that's not a big deal for most of the world, but for us that was a that's a big deal. So so kind of gives you the size of my market. Uh, but but Jim, I don't even have a Chipotle. I have a I have a Moe's, which we just got in the last like year or two. Welcome to Moe's. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Moe's. <laughs> Greg, Greg, how about you, man? Um, dinner, not dinner. What are you doing for seminars? Yeah, I, I've done it all. I've done it both both ways. Uh, certainly, I, I will say the dinner does tend to get um, you know higher attendance. But does that mean that that doesn't always mean that it's, you know, quality, you know, the, the quality of the attendance is there. Uh, it might actually be the same um, because and and you've got to if you're going to offer dinner, you've got to accept the fact that there are going to be people there that are just coming for the dinner. Professional and eaters. believe 
<laughs> right. Professional eaters, like just Jim just said, um, some people call them plate lickers, whatever you want to want to call them. That is, just, believe me, it's just it's just uh, a cost that you're going to have. Um, now, Jim, you have over the years of doing this, you uh, taught me something about how to prevent those people uh, from attending future events. And like, like a light bulb went off. And I was like, why didn't I think of that? How do you prevent those people from coming back? You 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 need to keep a suppression list. Um, okay, <laughs> is that what you're talking about? I, I, a suppression. I, I give list. a lot of advice, and sometimes I forget what it was. But uh, we want a do not invite list or a suppression list. So when you're when you're going to do a dinner workshop, you definitely want to. You're, you, let's be honest. When you first do it for the first five or six, you're going to have a high percentage of professional seminar attendees. What I mean by that is people that come out just for the meal, they see the steak on the invite and they're excited and they want that free meal. I can't believe people are willing to sit through boring financial presentations for a meal, but there are a bunch of them out there and you've got to keep a list so you don't invite them over and over again. Otherwise, you're going to be, you're going to see the same people month after month, year after year, and you're going to, they're, they're going to drive you nuts and you're going to get rude to them. At least I do uh, over time. I, I take a different opinion than Brad does. I think dinner seminars can work. Um, I have kind of switched off and said, I'm not going to buy dinner anymore just because I don't like the hours. Remember, if you're going to buy dinner, you're going to be there longer. So you're going to, you're going to, you're going to go through the process of feeding them and presenting and making sure you clean up. And there's a longer process. The cost is a little bit more. And if you do a lot of workshops, it does add up. Let's be really clear. And then the other thing that I don't love about it is sometimes you're not seeing higher net worth people when you buy dinner workshops because they're prepared to be sold to people. When they get that, they know it's like a timeshare presentation. Um, so you, you've got to be careful. So I, I've pivoted to educational workshops and I, I enjoy those a lot. Um, I think they're better for my, for my, my temperament where I am in, am now. And, um, and we can fill them up pretty, pretty effectively. And, and, you know, you come from a place of not selling to someone, which I kind of like people always expect to be sold at dinner workshops. So I take it, but, but both of them work and I'll probably, I say like I've pivoted, but I've gone back and forth over my career. Once, once you kind of burn out like a topic or a process, you got to go to something that works. And if you're mailing and doing all the things, uh, it's just part of the process. Now for, for you, Brad, when you're, when you're going to buy dinner for people and you're going to take them to a restaurant, like, how are you selecting the restaurant? Like what, for you, what, what's kind of restaurant should people look for? So what I've had a lot of luck with is, um, like golf courses that have a restaurant because they're, what I found, at least in my area is they're usually pretty nice venues. Um, and they're also usually not all that busy at the time that I want to hold a seminar because let's face it, most, most golf courses in my area anyway, I mean, they have a restaurant because people might put, grab food while they're golfing or something like that. But they're, they're not restaurants that in December people are like, Hey, let's go to ABC country club, you know, with another couple for dinner. So they usually have openings, uh, especially midweek openings, which is when I would do my dinner seminars, right? They're usually, they're doing weddings and whatnot on a Saturday. So uh, that's my optimal venue is a golf course with a with a restaurant. Uh, Jim, we were talking about your uh, your suppression list. I feel like you invented shadow banning before social media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and why I, is my invitation showing? Oh, you, you know the best part. 
this is a stupid story, but what, what would happen is people would get not invited and, but they would still get an invite somehow. I, I couldn't figure it out. Their neighbors would give them the invitation or there's there. Yeah, so, so we end up still, even when you have it, it's not foolproof. So you, you don't even get to shadow ban them. You just have to ban them outright. <laughs> so yeah, right, or, right. or they That's move. I've had that happen. They move. Oh yeah. And then they're new. And then you start mailing it to them. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, you know, it's the cost of doing business and it's, and it's an okay cost because I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we are in the, 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 like the very best business in the world and our margins are so high and our marketing acquisition cost per client relative to their lifetime value is pretty stinking low. I mean, if you, if you're going to measure out that, Hey, it's going to cost me a thousand dollars to get a client or even 2000 or whatever it's going to cost you, but their lifetime value to you is like four forty thousand or whatever the number is. It's just absurd. It's every yeah. business in America would love to have our model that's out there. It's just, it's great. Greg, for you, when you're selecting a venue, are you are you looking for country clubs? Are you looking for restaurants? Are you going to Ruth Chris? Are you going to going to the Golden Corral? How do you select a restaurant? Yeah, I uh, you know th- there there are certainly kind of more upscale. Uh, like there's there's one that um, is really w- well known for for a wine um, their wine selection and and have a great it has a great steak menu and um, so so you want to you want to find locations that are easily accessible and, and well known you don't want to select a restaurant that's that's completely brand new that maybe someone um, you know that's uh, you know hasn't passed by there and doesn't know about it or something like that so I I kind of just go for the recognizable. Um, locations. I'll also visit it to make sure that, hey, it's got a, an appropriate room that um, is going to be segmented or blocked off. So you're not, you don't have all the other noise from the, all the other guests. I believe me, I've been there, done that. Um, and, and a, and a curtain will not block out the noise as much as the, you know, director of the restaurant or venue will, you know, like to tell you. So, uh, so it has to be a closed in space. Um, you know, sound is huge. Visual is huge. Um, so, so I go and actually visit them, Jim. Um, and, and quite frankly, doing it long enough, you kind of fall into, you know, preferring some venues than, uh, over others. So yeah, make, make Jim, some, I got, good. Sorry. I got to fire one at you on the, uh, on, on the educational seminars or workshops. Do you, I've, I've, I haven't really done this uh, in my career, but I've always kind of thought for the people that do that, that venue selection is really important when it comes to that type of workshop. And it's almost like you want to align the venue with uh, the image you're trying to create. So like, do you hold, hold them at like at least a library, if not rent a room in a school or a college or something to kind of align it with education or or no, or am I on the wrong track? No, there? you're you're right on the right track, and it, it, kind of like we were making reference to the restaurants. I mean, you, if you host restaurant, if you host dinner events, and you choose a cheap restaurant with bad food, it's a reflection on you and your firm. And I'm not saying you need to go to Ruth Chris, but you need to find a nice family mid grade steakhouse with a nice, comfortable room. You need to make sure people have the right amount of seating. You just need to dot all your I's and cross all your T's. Same thing with educational. You, If you're going to do educational events, uh, you can't do it. I, I think, I can't remember what podcast we were on, but Brad, you made mention of somebody who did their presentations or educational events in the basement of a church. And yep. it's a, it's a legitimate 
place to hold in a meeting. But remember, like it's a reflection on your firm. So you want to, you want to, you want a nice library. You want an, a, a college. Remember, you can rent college rooms. They'll they'll rent them to you, um, and and you can go and te- you can be the the teacher there. And you like like Greg said, go there before and make sure the room is appropriate. Make sure it's comfortable, the temperature, the spacing. Like things have to work the right way if you want your closing percentage to be where it needs to be, because there is a embedded upfront cost to doing these things. And you sure. can expect to spend 2000 to $10,000 to fill a room up. Like they're expensive. Yeah. And um, you know, I think those are the things that are really important. I think the real, I think the real message though, is like, there's no right or wrong way what, I, to do this. And, and I think the next thing we could talk about, it's kind of interesting is what are you talking about at a seminar? So what are your topics? Greg, let's just jump over to you. What do you when you're going to do an educational event or a dinner event, what what's what are you talking about when we do this? Yeah, typically so so just my firm kind of our specialty is is retirement planning. Um so in in that in that same vein, you know, there's social security planning, there's um you know, uh, re- retirement planning more holistic. Um, so, um, you know, it, it might have a title like, you know, uh, um, you know, avoiding the the top uh, five retirement pitfalls, and then kind of have some bullet points like that. Um, so, it's good. You know, for me, it's always going to be retirement planning, social security planning, that kind of thing. So, yeah. we I have teamed up with a Medicare person as well to do more of a hybrid prep presentation of social security and Medicare. And, and that's uh that's worked quite well. It's awesome. How about you, Brad? What do you talk about? You know, I don't think, I don't know if I've done any seminars in the last decade that weren't about my niche. I focus pretty exclusively on the public education, uh, retirement, uh, pension system in Pennsylvania. And, do you, uh, that, that's, that's fat. Do you, and I bet what, like, what's the cost for you when you do, when you're focused, the way you're focused. What's the cost for you to fill up a fill up a room? Not counting food. Yeah, not counting food. I can I've I've put I've put 75 to 100 people in two night, you know, across two nights for less than a thousand bucks. Guys, that that, that that that's like the golden ticket right here. I, I mean I I really want to underline this because what the cost to do a workshop like Greg and I are doing where we're just marketing and we're mailing out five to ten to fifteen thousand mailers. We're nailing it on digital. Like it's ex- the cost to get people there is five grand at minimum. Yeah, right. And, and what Brad's yeah. doing is choosing an, a niche, and I think it's really fascinating. In fact, you know, I know you're, uh, you know, and it's a good time to pause and talk about a couple things we're doing that people are really interested in, and and how you can learn more about this. But Brad does. Um, Brad Brad focuses on the education system and. That's not, that's just one, that's one niche you can follow out of like a thousand. Okay. So there's a lot of different ones out there and we are going to dive into this on the elite advisor lab. Like Brad's going to lead a whole session around this because he's built a hundred million dollar plus practice focusing on a niche. And, and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing when you think about it, there's riches there and I don't want people to miss it. So look, if you want to, if let me, if you want to join the elite advisor lab, just go out to the eliteadvisorlab.com. And what that is, it's a virtual mastermind. It's a mastermind group that we've put together of successful advisors who are out uh, grinding and getting better and sharing. And every week or every month, we do a we do a virtual mastermind where we go deep dive into an area of our practice. And and 
and I think it's, is it August, Greg, is when we're going to do this? Yeah, it's August 9th. We've named uh, Brad's presentation, The Power of Specialization, Riches in Niches. And this is going to be a live stream on August 9th. So um, so if you're a member of a Elite Advisor Lab, mark your calendars for that presentation. If you're not already, go to EliteAdvisorLab.com. Yeah, definitely get signed up for that. And, you know, we're doing the appointment process in July. Uh, it, it, this is this is a real opportunity to harness like a deep dive in this. We're talking surface level stuff on the podcast. But if you really want to take tactical advice and get better, go to EliteAdvisorLab.com. By the way, the really cool thing is uh, you can kick the tires free for 30 days. Like there's no obligation to stay with it. If you don't think what we have to offer is important or good or valuable to you, just leave. But, uh, but you know, the folks yeah. who have joined, uh, they are, uh, yeah, they're really thrilled because it's, it's been powerful anyway. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get off on a tangent there, Brad, but like <laughs> you're filling this room up for a thousand bucks, like your opportunity to be successful. is just your ROI is just going to be so much better when you do that. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. percent. And there are a lot of niches that you could work, which we'll talk about in the lab, of course. Um, there's a, a lot more niches than just mine that, that would work the same way to fill a room. If you wanted to approach it with an educational workshop or a seminar, you, you know, you go either way. Um, Brad, I'm, I'm, I'm curious for the people that, that attend, you know, if you, you, looking at your numbers, if you had 70 people attend, what would be your, how many, how many people are going to request a meeting with Brad? to talk about their retirement, their just kind of ballpark. And we can kind of compare that to what Jim and I are seeing on our end where we don't have yeah, a little, we do. Yeah. Now I'm not, I'm not looking at my records right now. I'm, I'm looking at, at you on zoom, <laughs> but if I had to guess, you know, on average, you know, 70 people probably be maybe 40 buying units in a seminar. Um, I would say it would be a failure to meet with less than 25 of them. And that yeah. would be probably, yeah, it's like, it, it, you know, a lot of these people like in my, they come to my seminar several times, not to be plate lickers, you know, and, and a lot of, almost all of them end up doing business. They come because they're, I, cause I built my brand in that niche. Cause I'm that guy to them. So, yeah, I mean, I think 25 out of 40 buying units to meet with me. I mean, almost I, I, honestly, almost 25 out of 40 to become clients would be almost a failure. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Are, are they are they running up to you at the end of the seminar? Hey, Brad, I got to talk to you and and I, I can't wait to meet with you. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I had to integrate like an evaluation form um, for a couple of reasons into the into the seminar so they could fill it out. And I could capture some questions that I wanted to ask that, you know, I, I didn't when I started doing this, I didn't have a lot of staff. You know, I was mostly doing things on my own. So almost to occupy people and so I could spread myself out in more places and give myself more time. Um, yeah, but. Okay. Uh, one last question, Brad, and then uh, we can hop it back to Jim. How, how long was, so when you're doing a, a presentation like this to, you know, a bunch of teachers, how long are you going? Um, and, you know, are we talking 60 minutes here? Are we talking 90 minutes? What, yeah, I'd like to say, in a, you know, in a perfect world, I'd say like 45 to 50 minutes, I could do my presentation, but it doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? It, people will ask a question here and there, even if you try and save them to the end, you'll, you know, you get off and tell a story in this seminar that I didn't tell in the last one, just close to an hour. Yeah. Much longer than that, though, you start to, people start to get antsy, I think, and lose their attention span. Yeah. 
I want to, I want to, I want to share some, just, you know, as we wrap it up here, um, some stories of some experiences that you have to be prepared for doing seminars. And I, oh, and I say this, this should be a separate episode, Greg. I know, <laughs> but I'm just thinking of one guy, Jim mentioned that invitation with a steak on it. I had a guy that brought that invitation and I don't know if it was a steak or a grilled chicken or a tuna, whatever it was, but he brought that invitation and said, and it was a it was an abbreviated menu that we had. I think there were like three choices to pick from. And the guy brought that invitation and said there wasn't one steak to choose from. And the guy just let me have it about the you know the invitation. I was was this yep. in front of the rest of the room or was this in private? It was it was after it was after after my presentation as I was trying to get out of there and the guy I mean he stood up and I thought he was going to come ask question or shake my hand or whatever but he he had that in his hand the invitation that he brought with him and it just he just kind of let me have it I was like oh my gosh the gall of this guy uh, Jim what do you got I know you've you've got so I've got so many and I look here's the thing um you this is why I switched. From doing mass, I, I think, by the way, I think it's important to know, I want to just go back to Brad's point. I think the way he does it, I think in, in the niche he's in, offering dinner is a, that's almost a requirement. I think it just makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think if he wasn't in that niche, he might have a different opinion about like dinner workshops, but Greg and I were talking before we know people that are hyper successful doing it, but here's one, one example. Um, I, I was making the presentation. I actually was not in this room. So I'm up making the presentation and we do not let people come in 10 minutes late. It's incredibly distracting. I've already read the disclosures. I just can't do it. I don't want the liability of people coming in and saying they didn't see something, but this couple comes up 10 minutes late and my team is instructed on how to communicate with people. Hey, you know, I'm sorry we started and we let people know there's a whole process, right? Right. The seminars are not easy to do. That's why it took me hundreds of thousands of dollars in years to learn how to do this the right way. Um, but when they came up, they were upset, like really upset. They could not go into the room to hear me talk. And the guy said to my assistant, to Whitney, he said, Whitney, it's our anniversary and we can't have dinner tonight. And she said, well, Mr. XYZ, there's an entire restaurant right here. This guy was taking his old lady to a free workshop dinner on their anniversary. And he was blaming us because they were late and he couldn't feed his gal some uh, some food. So, yeah, yeah, that, that we, we all have the crazy stories. But, yeah, that's fun. Let's wrap up, guys. I think this has been a oh, terrific conversation about the power of seminars. I think it's. Look, these seminars will bring, if you can put together an effective seminar schedule and do this, I mean, it can bring in literally tens of millions of AUM into your practice. It's just a game changer. So final thoughts, Brad. I have no final thoughts after that. I just, I don't even know. That guy managed to get married. And stay married. At least he wasn't until that night. That's the relationship version of how do I not manage a billion? Yes. That's my final thought. I'll elaborate on what that means some other time. <laughs> oh, Greg, anything you want to underline or wrap up here? 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I've been there. I've done that. You, you just kind of have to be prepared and decide, you know, what route you want to go. And, and maybe you want to try both like I've done. Um, you have varying levels of success, uh, you know, doing it both ways. And, and, and you might gravitate towards one or the other. What's really interesting about Brad's is also the time of day. If Brad's doing it on a weeknight at six o'clock, I mean, people are going to be hungry, right? You know, so you don't want them, you know, you know, grabbing a bite to eat right after work, right before, and then they're running late or, or heaven forbid they leave your event and they're starving, right. And they're hitting, you know, fast food on the way home. So I, I think you got to take that into consideration as well versus if point, you did. Right? Yeah. If you did like a Saturday morning or. I'm know, specifically something. aiming these at people that are still working and some of them work till four, four thirty. So, you know, yeah, this is a good point. I never thought of that. Yeah. So, um, so that's all I got guys. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff and a great discussion. Look, if you want to try, and I think a lot of this is regional. It's uh, it's niche focused. It's it's target market focused. They all work. In the Elite Advisor Lab, we're going to show you how to do this. If you want to get into the seminar marketing game and you really want to accelerate the, pa the pace of your growth, go out to the EliteAdvisorLab.com and, and join, the, join the lab. We'll talk about seminars very often there. But hey, I want to thank everybody for joining. Been a great conversation. Remember, the most important thing is to take action, do it the right way. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.